Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, bringing you the latest Major League Rugby news, views, and abuse. Now here are your hosts, Aaron, Dan, and Victor. Well, how's it going, everyone? Uh, it seems I am going to fly solo with uh, Corey for a while. Uh, so uh, Dan uh, sends his regrets. Uh, he... Uh, New York Rugby Club had a match yesterday, so he is uh, recovering by uh, attending Lion King Live with his uh, with his girlfriend. So uh, Victor is uh, going to be a bit late, so he should join us later in the podcast. Uh, let's uh, hit the rundown. So, um, I, was so Victor pro- I was gonna say Victor probably has an excuse. It is his birthday, so we're gonna cut him some slack. Yeah, so it's his birthday, not a big deal. I, I'm not, you know, he's not getting demerits for not showing up. Uh, Dan definitely is getting demerits for yep. going to watch the Lion King instead of uh, talking about rugby. So um, now onto the rundown: uh, combines, big stuff. So otherwise, and then we're gonna talk about other ways. Uh, teams will eventually add players and they're currently adding players. Where's all that international talent? If, uh, you know, Victor shows up, he'll uh, tell us a lot about uh, the uh, Spanish and also South American talent that's out there. Um, questions from Bob, latest rumors, uh, our brand new feature, which uh, I think Corey has pulled up a tweet of the week for that. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, Hold on to your mouthpieces and scrum caps because we're about to go. Uh, and uh, for all those that hanging out at home, I'm Aaron. Uh, and let's hit up combines. So Houston uh, just finished their second of their two combines. This makes me think that teams were allotted two combines and Houston being a brand new club and not having any foundation needed to get in there and get it quick. But just to give you an idea of the kind of talent available that is around, that is local to Houston, uh, Lathadius Hill Jr. ran four electronically timed uh, 40-yard dashes. First one was a 4.35. Second one was a 4.27, which legitimately broke the electronic timer. Uh, then he ran a 4.41. Uh, came back, rested, ran a four three four three two. So as far as talent is there, we there's some fast folks in Houston. So uh, going into who they've signed so far uh, from Combine One, we've got Craig Whitlock, played at Houston Athletic Rugby Club, also played for three years out at Nelspruit in Republic of South Africa. Then we have Marcel Harrison fighting out of uh, Lone Star Rugby Club, playing for Phil Beck. Uh, He's a former safety at Sam Houston State. So there you go. Uh, Division one talent uh, right there, you know. So combine two, this is where it gets juicy. The first signing from combine two is Colton Pedersen played – also fighting out of Lone Star Rugby Club. Started playing rugby with his brother at the Kuala Lumpur International School. So 
he's been playing rugby, I think, for 12 years. He's he's one of those guys that has a high rugby IQ. He's been playing a very long time. Came through the Woodlands Youth Rugby Club, then played at Texas Tech, and has also previously played with the Woodlands Rugby Club and the Dallas Harlequins. The second signing last week was Lathadius Hill Jr. Uh, he has not played rugby as far as I can tell, but his father, Lathadius Hill Sr., is a legend. But he was all so if you're, you know, listening in from Texas, you all know who Thad Hill Sr. is if you're uh, well past my generation, which is the, I guess, Generation Y, the woke generation, it being what it is. But Thad Hill Sr. is an Eagle Sevens player, was an Atlantis Sevens player under Emil Seniors. So Thad Hill Jr., I mean, the story around him is he's just got, you know, he's got rugby in his blood. His dad was also a great wing. Uh, Thad Hill Jr., Thad Jr. Uh, he played Prairie View and Tarleton State. He was the leading running back in the Texas United Semi-Pro League this last year. And, you know, he's I think he's going to be an amazing wing player. He can catch, and he's just – field's going to be very tough to stop, even at the international level, running at, uh, you know – that pace and then the next i wouldn't say connor mills was a combine signing but he was at both combines he's a fly half previously playing for the woodlands and houston athletic he was the captain of the texas AM rugby club was a men's junior all-american he was a two-time uh, high school american out of st thomas high school the fourth signing from this week there's more, right? So we got Kieran Farmer, uh, just graduated high school. He's a fly, also a fly half. Started playing rugby in Azerbaijan for the Chiefs Titans. Spent last summer with the Hawks Bay Academy in New Zealand, playing from for the Napier Old Boys. <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah, uh, he's an uh, Eagle Impact Rugby Academy select. So he's in. He's in the national system. Uh, the high school All-Americans coach, Salty Thompson, runs EIRA. And as far as if you want to know about his speed, he did run track at Woodlands High School. So I think, you know, he spent 14 months with Ed Cosner. Uh, he's a super rugby champion, strength coach, NRL champion, strength coach. He coached – he coaches the Franks brothers – on the of the All Blacks, he does all their strength programming. He's been a part of the uh, San Antonio Spurs, so his his resume as a strength coach is. So, Kieran Farmer spent 14 months with him, getting strong so that he could go down and ball. I think <laughs> you know. I think another year with him and eating a lot, he'll be very strong and he'll add a bunch of weight to his frame, and he'll be ready to play fly half at the international level in a couple of years. So the next guy we have is another fast guy, but his work rate is intense. It's Willie Perry Jackson, uh, also a hard prospect. Uh, he's a back, previously played both for the Seattle Saracens and Lamar University Rugby. 
the thing that stood out about him was he, he put in some good work in combine number one, but he came back and ran the Bronco, which is 1200 meters of total, total work. <laughs> and, uh, the Bronco, I, I, I need to get someone like that really knows I've never done this, you know, workout. He runs the Bronco in four, three, four minutes and 38 seconds. So that's, that's fast. And that really tests your endurance and your speed at the same time. Now we got uh, Andres Diaz, uh, another hard prospect. He's a hooker out of Texas A&M Rugby, also out of St. Thomas Rugby. He was a men's All-American, men's junior All-American, a Texas Rugby Select. And he just so happens to be the best friend of Connor Mills. So let's think about that. It sounds like we got a lot of good options uh, coming in once again, you know, and Houston has been doing it right. They've been getting out there. They've been talking with the community and uh, really pulling in the top of the top of the top of the clubs in the area. Um, So tell me a little bit in your uh, experience, Aaron, I know, you know, there's been a lot of talk about where the American, uh, the sleeping giant is, is in uh, American football they got a lot of crossover players and stuff like that. And it does seem like there's at least uh, one or two guys here that are coming out, um, especially uh, Thad Hill Jr. Uh, is coming from a football background. So kind of what's your experience? What's your thoughts on uh, the interchange and switching between sports? I think, I mean, because of how physical rugby is, that the, the switch isn't going to be hard. Uh, the difference is, you know, passing the ball, the big – it's like the nece- the need for ball skills across every uh, athlete because I mean for the most part you know offensive lineman been an offensive lineman been a defensive lineman been a linebacker uh, you're not really a ball skills guy whereas um, your props and your hooker you're basically you basically got guys that are size of uh, offensive guards and uh, centers but they got to be able to catch and they got to be able to be talent, like relatively talented runners with the ball. So I think that like teaching those things to, you know, American football players and creating rugby athletes is going to be very important. But as you see with what Houston is putting together so far, you've got that mix of high end rugby talent and uh, high end athlete, which I think plays more into what people want to see uh they want to see this game played fast uh, they, i mean people talk about rugby iq uh rugby iq does matter but if we're playing a, a very slow game it's going to be very hard to uh bring people in i think to like capture that fan base whereas they're used to uh ball movement of basketball and it being going up and down the floor fast, uh, the ball movement of spread offenses in football. And that's what, uh, I mean, the best way I can explain certain types of football is uh, the spread offense is champagne rugby. You know, you get the, everyone gets the ball, it goes out wide and you try to score, you know, like as much. And that's what I'm seeing here with Houston is they're putting together huge pack, huge pack. And then they're bringing back, all these athletes in the back line that can just burn you. So that's, what's really going to be important to see is integrating that American top end athlete into a system that uses their skills best 
and gets them on the field fast and then also teaches them rugby skills. So that's what I'm thinking. As far as combines uh, are concerned, I've never had to run the Bronco. You don't really see that a lot unless you're playing at the top end of, I I would say, D1 uh, rugby for the most part. In D2 rugby, you're not really doing that. Uh, Strength and conditioning is really a a voluntary thing. I mean, if – if every if every guy was serious about the gym, uh, I think the quality down to D three rugby would be a lot different. But uh, you know, just converting the American football athlete into rugby athletes, or not even just them, but also basketball, because basketball is a fluid motion sport, so that really transfers over a lot. Uh, I don't. I mean, as long as we have technical coaches, I don't see the transition being that much of an issue overall. Um, now, do any of the other uh, teams have combines coming up? Yes. So I know that New Orleans is going to uh, have one, maybe two combines. They have not released the date yet. I'm, I've also heard that New Orleans is supposed to um, come forth with some names on their roster. Uh, we'll talk about uh, – I think it's three guys, no, four guys on their roster this uh, during this podcast that we I know are down there. Um, but the the one I know that's going to happen is the first of the Austin uh, Elite Combines, and that's on the 14th of October. So uh, check out uh, austineliterugby.com and Austin Elite Rugby on Facebook for more details so you can apply and get in there. So, I mean, nice. you want to play, you want to play rugby professionally in this country. MLR is the current pathway. And, uh, I think if you go out there and, and test well, you'll, uh, score yourself a solid contract. And, uh, also, uh, if it's on the lower end there, they have a network. So some of this is going to be part-time, uh, players. Some of these guys, even some former Eagles, they're working, I would say, higher end but flexible jobs that allow them to still put in four to five hours of rugby a day, which is important if we're going to have some part-timers and some full-timers. Now, um, I you mentioned before we started that you're going to be traveling next week and you might be stopping – down to Texas yourself. Are you uh, going to be trying out for the Huns anytime soon? Or <laughs> the elites anytime soon? <laughs> the elites. No, I, I will not be uh, trying out uh, for the Austin elites. I will be in Austin uh, two weekends uh, this fall. And I think I will try to make my second trip a bit longer so I can swing down to Houston and uh, run into Rook and run into Big Ed at the gym and maybe work out with Jackson Slater. And, uh, but I will be in Austin this week. If things work out, I will be able to sit down and have a chat with, uh, Richard Osborne, the managing partner. I, I wanted to talk to Lafayette, but he's getting ready to leave and go back to South Africa. Uh, I think I'll just miss Thierry DuPont. So, if things don't work out, I will have a, I will get a call scheduled with Thierry this week so that we can um, 
get some more, bring out some more information and give them, give them the, the publicity that they're due from us. Because uh, we just, you know, talked a ton about Houston because of all the actions they've done. But, you know, Austin's been doing a lot of work that uh, hasn't necessarily been talked about. But uh, I know that this last week they just uh, had a big meeting with a corporate partner. Uh, apparently that's local to Austin that uh, they talked about on their uh, their Facebook page. Uh a corporate partner just joined their captain's club. So if you're in the Austin area and you want to support rugby, join the captain's club. Um, you know, be part of the growth. Shout out to business folks. Get in now. And uh, who knows, you could be the uh, next uh, Mark Cuban. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about the possibility of we've been hearing about a draft. Uh, I know that was a rumor early on. And I know we talked about it pretty extensively on Reddit. Is that still uh, being discussed around the MLR community? Is that something so, that would be helpful? So, I mean, where we're at in the American rugby space for the moment is kind of a weird spot. I don't think we have a player base that would support a draft. I think, you know, many of the folks that came in and are sources on Reddit and have, you know, reliable sources to talk uh, and, you know, basically are saying, Hey, there's going to be this. I don't think there was a draft in the traditional sense. And I don't think there was a reallocation of players based on the fact that um, it's like how many players it's like, hey, are, are we going to have a draft? Yes, no, maybe so. But I think for the most part, it was all about foreign players. And I think all the foreign players that applied through um, the system, because we haven't heard about all of them. We've only heard a, heard a few, like uh, John Mills and o O'Shea Kalinisau. I think that the idea was to have five foreign players on the match day roster and I think eight or nine foreign players on the uh, on the training squad of about 30 to 35 players. And I think most of those guys got, I would say, assigned by the league office. But probably there was probably a draft for all of these guys. We haven't heard about them all. We haven't heard about them all for uh, for Houston necessarily. I think that uh, – you could say uh, Rook Windsor was one of was the first one. Um, he's also going to double as a player coach in their system. But they got O'Shea Kalinasau, and then uh, Dallas got John Mills. And I think some of the like some of these people that got assigned were capped Eagles, like say Kyle Sumsian, who moved down to Houston. I, I don't know if that's a fact because if you look him up, he also works for uh, BNSF Railway as a project engineer. So uh, I think it's a bit of, it, it was, I think they assigned foreign players. That's how I think the draft worked. And uh, you know, we haven't, otherwise we would have heard where, I guess where some of the top graduating seniors were going because of the draft and stuff like that. So I, I don't think it was a traditional draft. That's my opinion. Well, and related to that, it looks like we've got some news of some signings this week. Um, so I'll just go run through a few of these and slaughter some last names, if you don't mind. Sounds like we've got, uh, now so there was 
this is one that I think you kind of hit on on Reddit. Um, Alex Chazowski, Chazowski, Chikowski. Um, okay. He is a USA South Panther, an all army lock, and looks like he's with Nola Gold. Uh, so that was the one where the rest press release was posted and then it was pulled down pretty soon after that. But it seems like uh, it is going to happen or it did happen and they're not ready to release it. Do you have any more information on that? Uh, I, I mean, it was sort of sent via the burner email and, you know, from a good source, it was like, Hey, I'm going to send you something. And I got it. And then like the, the link didn't work. Went to a blank page, but then I searched on the, the it's called prlog.com. And like the link still existed. So I went on the Wayback Machine, Wayback Machine. It wasn't up there long enough for the Wayback Machine to get it. But on Google Case Pages, it was still there. So you can see the press release on uh, our Facebook page and on our Twitter. And it talks about them. Um, You know, so it just, uh, I know that NOLA has signed players. I know that for a fact. They said they were going to release them in their own due time. So I'm thinking the agency, which uh, represents Tchaikovsky, uh, jumped the gun a little bit. We also have news of Bobby Johns. He's a center, a former LSU um, double-A player and uh, All-American. Oh, All American. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I'm talking baseball stuff now. <laughs> Uh, and um, it doesn't say where he's headed. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, he's a nor. These are all. Oh, yeah. So in the notes, those three are the first four are all Nola Gold players. So, all righty. Just uh, unscrew that one. <laughs> so Cameron Falcon also uh, he's a hooker, and um, also an LSU All American, and uh, he also was. Uh, Spent time with, it looks like, Ohio, the Aviators, and the Express during pro rugby. Yeah, um, so Cam Falcon is in the Eagles system. He, uh, as part of being selected on the All-American camp, he got to spend time in the uh, Taranaki Academy in New Zealand. And he just left, he just came back from playing, not in the shoot shield, but one of the competitions down in um, Australia. So he's... You know, he, he, he's had got some high-level uh, rugby experience uh, from some Tier 1 nations. And just to – one of the primary backers is uh, a uh, an old-time Nor FC guy called Tim Falcon. He's a big lawyer. He uh, He's one of the primary backers for the NOLA Gold. And, I mean, I'm not saying – there's no don't, – don't say there's nepotism because his son, Cameron Falcon – can play i'm just like it's just an opportunity to not play in houston or austin he just gets to stay home so uh he's he can play uh there's nothing there's no reason why he's you know not going to be a first choice hooker in this competition amongst the eight teams that we got Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you have the opportunity to play at home, why wouldn't you? Uh, back in June, we also had uh, Connor uh, Bertrand, and he's a loose forward. 
uh, men's All-American, two-time MJAA uh, with the Austin Blacks. Men's and junior All-American. Junior All-American. And then uh, he's played with the Austin Blacks, Denver Barbarians, and the Dallas Harlequins. So it sounds like he's got some really solid club experience and uh, will probably be making an impact pretty quickly for the for yeah, uh, Connor Bertrand's a very good player. Uh, another player that's in the Eagles system. He, uh, you know, made two appearances for the Junior All-Americans at, in U-20s and then uh, was an men's All-American selectee, played for, you know, three high-level high level clubs in the Harlequins, the Barbarians, and the Blacks. Uh, he's moving to – he moved to New Orleans to be a teacher, so he'll be one of your uh, part-time guys. But, again – High quality player. So. And then finally, out of coming out of Glendale uh, with the Raptors, we've got, and uh, this is going to be a tough one. It's Nick Kwaneski. Kwaneski? I, I think, think it's Kwaneski. I think it's Kwaneski. I, I, Kwaneski. I probably, I don't know. I, I, you know, when you've got so many syllables in a foreign language, I'll, I'll butcher that. Um, I'll make the correction next podcast. Because uh, I, I understand I'm not like Warren and Preston in my great research of names like they are, but uh, we'll get that fixed. They do a great job every time, just killing it. Um, so Nick is a, a tight head prop and looks like he was a junior All-American as well. Um, he's coming off a knee injury, so he uh, went for, for went his uh, senior year. Uh, to kind of get healed up. And so we're hoping for good things and good health for him coming in to uh, the Raptors system. Yeah. Um, he's a uh, local to me because uh, Grand Canyon is like, you know, a couple stones throw. Uh, he's a very good player. Uh, I, I, one of the matches, I think it was a junior world trophy qualifier from a couple of years ago is on YouTube. I need to find it again. Uh, very strong player. Uh, one of the things that makes him very unique is his fitness. I know he's coming off a knee injury, but he'll he'll have that back pretty fast. Uh, he was a cross country runner as a freshman in high school, and then decided to become a football player, and then became a rugby player. And he's very strong, tackles well. It'd be great to see him uh, even go to another another level in a professional environment just working every day uh on rugby and also i understand that he's got everything set up so he can finish his degree uh through gcu's distance learning program well that's an interesting uh path to follow because i've known a decent number of uh cross-country kids and they're usually the skinniest kids in high school Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they, they're, they're fast and they're good runners, but they are not physical. Yeah, so I guess he must have hit a growth spurt and was like, I'm out of this. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've got no clue on how you go from endurance runner to football player. I think, I think now, Victor's coming up. Maybe yeah, to... I think he is. Let's see if he's going to jump on with us. So, uh, but yeah, um, as far as four players for NOLA and uh, one for Glendale, Glendale's pretty much got their roster set. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I haven't seen anything about uh, combines for them, 
but they did announce their U20 Academy. And uh, a question was asked, you know, are parents going to be paying for this coaching? And I think it's a mixture of no. I don't necessarily think they're going to be earning a wage, but I think there's going to be a lot of favors in kind. And part of what was explained as part of the U20 Academy was that they have to, uh, they're going to go into like either do school part-time or apprenticeships part-time, which reminds me of how the MITRE 10 works in, uh, works in New Zealand because there's one day a week where uh, all the athletes have to focus four hours on their interests, like that, like business interests where could be art could be plumbing, could be, you know, coding, could be mathematics and pursue, you know, external education. So that's kind of cool. And we're still waiting for Victor to get logged in here, but uh, I'm sure he'll be coming along shortly. So the last point on uh, kind of getting players into the system ahead of the start of the season, I think we want to talk about is the idea of central contracting. And this is something that's uh, been floating around for a while as well. And so can you kind of talk me through what we're hearing as far as how the league's going to be set up uh, at the business end of things, uh, how pay- players are going to get paid? So I wasn't sure about this one until recently. I, I thought it made a little bit of sense, but not nearly as much because of the, of the whole point of like decentralized command, uh, franchises running franchises. And, you know, more, I would say more NHL, NFL, probably NBA model. Uh, the central uh, centralized contracting bit is similar to the MLS. Everyone gets paid by the league. So I'm thinking what happens here is all of the teams pay the players uh, via the league. So the teams are required to pay the wages to the league and then the league will distribute them. And this is this isn't a problem. This is more of a best practice because what we saw with pro is uh, Doug stopped paying people. And this gets them out of some possible hot waters because of world rugby regulation four and reg four is kind of a, a big deal. It requires you to pay your players. It requires to pay your contracts and, you know, it's, it's important to uh, make sure all, all professional athletes get paid. And, well, uh, Doug not only stopped paying players, but he uh, canceled their contracts when they still had like five months to go uh, for off-season uh, pay because all of the contracts were set up for rather than for like in-season stuff, but for uh, 12 months for some reason or other. So I guess paying people uh, is pretty important, I would say, for especially for, well, livelihoods of people as well as just professionalism in general. You, you don't pay, you don't not pay your bills. Yeah. Uh, Preston asked, asked me this when I was talking to him uh, earlier this week. And then he said the, earlier last week, and then on the same, on the next podcast came out, he said the same exact quote. It was like, how many bridges are we going to burn before a professional league gets off the ground here? And I think this is one of those bridges that uh, 
you don't allow yourself to get burned. You don't allow it to be burned here. It, it's in a saying that in a different context than what, how he said it uh, on the last version of Red, White, last episode of Red, White, and Black Eye. So, yeah, and I think uh, that was partially also just talking about the appearance or the impression of professionalism in America, kind of how it with repeated failure over and over again, it tends to suffer. I mean, people look at us from overseas, they say, well, it's not a good bet to come to America to play ball. And we don't want that. We are, we, we, we want to be, uh, you know, world champions. We got to work towards that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's just uh, like, there was the first version of the North American soccer league and, uh, Ah, Victor says he's uh, setting up. So first version of the North American Soccer League went failed, fa- failed, late 70s, early 80s. Then we didn't have, you know, uh, a prof- any form of professionalism for a little over 10 years, I think, maybe 12 years. And uh, what rebooted professionalism in the United States in soccer was uh, the World Cup 1994. And I think, you know, some of our friends, like the Grant Coles of the world, Tony Rennells, Matt McCarthy's, uh, you know, they understand the need to host a rugby World Cup because the infusion of capital to the union, let alone the economic impact, is very significant. Uh, what was it last rugby world cup just on tickets alone the rfu grossed 250 million pounds so that doesn't include uh the you know like all the food and merch that was sold uh they own twickenham so you know they make a mint every time they host a match of any kind or event in twickenham and then uh whatever percentage of uh you know, food and beverages that they made off of the uh, the other tests that were held in the other stadiums and then whatever went to World Rugby because I think it was a world record. Like, it was just, you know, I think it was double the payout from two World Cups before. I'm not sure. I don't, don't quote me on that statement, but it was a very, very significant payout to the host union and to, you know, everyone else who participated um, and made it far. Uh, so it's, you know, things like that are important. Well, and of course, next year we do have the uh, Sevens World Cup coming to the U.S. for men's side. So, and I've heard that described by some folks as kind of a, a test run to see how America does with managing and putting on an event like that. Uh, so I would, I would think at least folks are starting to pay attention uh, to our, to the, to our unions up here. And that's, uh, that's a good sign. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just, you know, um, gotta move forward and people need to take risks and some people, some of the big money doesn't want to take risks without other people taking risks before they do. So. Well, it's funny you mentioned risk. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the financial stress tests that we've got going on and uh, what happened in Dallas. So talk me through that. Um, so 
uh, as confirmed by a separate source, I sort of uh, played on this uh, a little bit um, last week, talking about, uh, you know, things that occurred to Dallas with Dallas that say, hey, um, you know, we should watch out for them. But uh, confirmed this twice. There was a bond payment that was required about three, almost a month ago. Um, I, I, I call it the stress test. You had, to, you had to pay it in full by that day. And from what I'm told is uh, Dallas uh, didn't pay it. And what that meant, uh, didn't really know at that time. And then uh, got a few more details on it that weekend and or two weekends ago. And then last week it was broken on the MLR subreddit by a separate source uh, that isn't, you know, the four of us. And I've never met this dude. It's just a guy's name is shout out to Rugger Rob for breaking a story. Um, so Rugger Rob, uh, you can submit questions next time. We'll uh, very happily try to answer them. And uh, so, hey, Dallas is out. San Diego's in. And I will say, uh, Dan guaranteed that uh, San Diego was in based on, you know, our own detective work. Uh, one of the guys connected to the former pro franchise, which we've sort of connected to uh, this pro franchise and this new professional venture in San Diego, who's also involved in the NASL franchise, franchise, franchise for uh, soccer in San Diego is Bob Watkins, who is a member of the uh, USA Rugby Hall of Fame uh, board. And I think he's a member of the USA Rugby Hall of Fame as a team manager. Not, Don't quote me on that, but he is heavily involved with USRF. And so, and he, his ties to the San Diego rugby community and on back and all the movers and shakers are all there. So, um, well, and guess what? <laughs> San Diego made their bond payment. Dallas did not. Uh, what that meant was, uh, you know, somebody asked about Minneapolis and, you know, Dallas saying, you know, saying next year, not this year. No, it was, I, 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 I firmly believe that, there was no that Dallas is just going to be let go and there's going to be someone that needs to come in from outside of that like specific rugby community and to kiss the babies and shake the hands like the strikers have. And it might be, you know, local money, but it's not going to be Phil Cam as far as I can tell. What that, what that says to me is, what about Mike Ford? Well, if you dig around, it seems like Coach Ford uh, – Coach Ford is uh, looking for work in England. And John Mills, um, he was going to be a player coach on loan from the London Scottish. So I just think he's not coming unless he gets reassigned to another franchise in the league. I think he's just going to stay with the London Scottish. And uh, as far as the bond payment is concerned, uh, the, the figure I was quoted was $250,000. I think that is equal to an eighth. I, I, I mean, if when we get Commissioner Benson on, he can either tell me or not. But I think it's either a sixth or an eighth of what the buy-in was. So if it's an eighth, the buy-in's two million. If it's a sixth, the buy-in was a million and a half. I, I think it's more than 
I think it's less than a quarter percentage, uh, 25% of what the buy-in is because all signs point to excess of a hundred, one half million dollars as the buy-in. It's very interesting. And it's a lot of money being thrown around. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think there were a lot of stress tests last year in the MRC with the amount of travel that Glendale did with the amount of travel that Utah did with the amount of travel that Austin did and the amount of travel that uh, NOR FC was supposed to be able to do. And they ended up, you know, not doing, which, uh, you know, one of our sources from Baton Rouge is like, Hey, I just talked to the man and he says, they're a go. Um, they've made all their, they've made all their payments and they are paid up. So Aggie Rugger 2010, shout out to you. Uh, he's a fellow moderator on Reddit. Uh, so um, and to be honest, my response to him was that was just sort of banter and to, I would say, cover uh, some stuff what, that I said about Dallas because I was trying to make sure all of our ducks were in a row before we broke news on that, which is uh, why we didn't break news on that. Because um, the reality is, is if we're all old school guys when it comes to journalism and we need to, you know, make sure we have real sources out there. And yes, uh, I understand another Reddit user isn't like, you know, a hundred percent, but I couldn't have my actual, couldn't say, Hey, you know, my guy told me this, I needed it. I always need to be able to confirm it from another location before I can make analysis because one, although I trust my sources that, that I talk to all the time, it's more about protecting our relationships. So if, you know, we talk to a team and they say off the record, it's going to be off the record. I don't, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, you know? And that's journalism 101. And I know, you know, we both come from a background where we have some experience in that world. And I think that's very important to, to us. So, and, you know, the other thing I would um, say is just, Let's see where it goes. You know, let's uh, sometimes you have to take a wait and see attitude rather than jumping in with the first thing you hear, because a lot of times you'll be wrong. Uh, the other the other thing I just like to give a shout out to uh, Rugger Rob, kind of like you mentioned, um, especially back when we were all on the pro train uh, last year. He was coming in with a lot of really solid material, and uh, he's actually the one over on the pro subreddit who was one of the first ones to tell us that the league was out of money and that uh, Dan, uh, Doug had stopped paying his players. So I think I think he's definitely one that we, uh, we like to listen to whenever he starts talking and wish he would do more talking. So, uh, Rob, if you're listening, uh, give, us, give us all your love. Hey, hey. Victor's here. Welcome, my friend. Oh, clap. I hope your birthday is good. Can you hear us? You good? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Hey, how are we doing, guys? Hey, hey welcome up? to the show. Hey, everyone. So, so, sorry, I came extremely late. My apologies. So I guess uh, Corey's about to hit our uh, tweet of the week, and then we're going to knock off some, some news and rumors and banter a little bit and call it good. Sounds like a plan. Everyone, hello, by the way. Sorry, I have Kennelly, guys. You probably heard it's my birthday, so I was celebrating a little bit just now. 
Well, we hope you had a good time and uh, we're happy to have you now. So let's talk Tweet of the Week, guys. So this is something uh, just kind of we want to have fun with. And I think uh, I'm going to try to talk Dan into doing it most weeks. Uh, it actually came out of a conversation we had offline uh, over the week about Dan reading some tweets in last week's show and how much we absolutely loved it. So set up some set up some rules for this, and here's how this is going to work. So each week we're going to bring you a Tweet of the Week. It has to come from Twitter has to be rugby-related rugby with preference given to tweets from, from or about Major League Rugby. And it has to include emojis. And the emojis part is what's really important here. So this week, we're going to actually take a series. We're going to honor a series of tweets. And this is coming out of the Strikers camp. Um, and if you guys aren't following Houston Strikers, um, they their social media presence is out of sight. Um, I mean, they're... <laughs> they're doing things right uh, on all levels, and it seems like they're really hitting their stride. So as we know, uh, this week, we uh, Houston's been hit with a pretty bad storm, something called Harvey. I'm not sure. I haven't really seen much news on it or anything. But uh, some folks have been uh, giving shouts out to the strikers and to the city in general, just saying, uh, hope you guys are okay, be safe, and all this. And uh, strikers have responded with a big thanks and then they follow that up by saying, in emoji, thunderstorm, tornado, umbrella. So once again, the response from the strikers has been, thanks, thunderstorm, tornado, umbrella. Uh, I don't know what else you need to say. I think that pretty much takes care of it. I think for strikers, social media follows. Uh, Rook Windsor, his, uh, his Insta stories, good to go. Good to go. So if you uh, want to get involved with uh, following these dudes on social media and whatnot, uh, Rook Windsor, he's, he's a funny guy on Instagram <laughs> Instagram stories, I'll tell you what. So. And just a shout out real quick to Houston, to everybody down there, rugby or not, we're thinking about you guys and wishing you all the best as you're going through a tough time. And we know you're going to be back and uh, we know you're going to come back stronger than ever. So shout out to Houston. Be strong, Texas. We know you got this. Definitely. Let's go, Houston. So, yeah, real quick, um, we want to run through some rumors and some news bits. So let's talk about um, Austin Elites hiring Rick uh, Medina. Victor, you want to tell us a little bit about him, about his resume, where he's coming from? Sure. Mr. Medina. Huh. Let's see. Where do I start? Well, his resume... Great hire. I say good in my notes, but he's a great hire. Uh, and he just, if you go on the back of all these other retentions and hires that Major League Rugby has, they've, I mean, he's another great, like, media guy, like, you know, sports marketing dude, uh, local, and he's local to Austin. He's a Texas rugby legend on the field, he's a Spanish international. And he's also an Austin Black. So this guy, he's known to the Texas rugby community. He's good to go. Uh, and, you know, I it's pretty intense. Uh, I, I like it. And it, it's like I said, he's an Austin Black. So it, uh, you have ties to both clubs in Austin with uh, the – Austin elites for now. So I think it's, it's going to be a great time. Victor, you also, um, we heard some news this week from uh, 
Matthew Bresson. Bresson's. Bresson's. You want to fill us in on what's going on there? Yes, this one I remember. <laughs> so according to a post by a gentleman named Matthew Bresson's, a club competing in MLR is considering all international players. And top players are going to be paid anywhere between $30,000 per season or more. And that includes airfares and assistance accommodations for these international players. Now, lesser known younger players will get paid anywhere between 15000 to 2000 uh, per season. Now, obviously, they are looking for American, um, American qualified players mostly. Uh, but yeah, but they definitely do welcome internationals. Now, the, also the club is looking for a director of rugby who will be paid anywhere between seven seventy thousand dollars, and and the contract will be ending in June of next year, twenty eighteen, with the option of renewal, if possible. Very good. And um, I know you'd also mentioned when we were talking last week about. Uh, anything out of South America. So are you hearing about any, any players coming up uh, to the U.S. from there, Victor? I know that's uh, an area you're plugged into, a region that you pay attention to. Well, yeah, I, I, well, I'm not South American, but I definitely do keep up with my Latin American rugby. Now, thus far, there's nothing coming out of, of Latin America in terms of players uh, expecting to go into an MLR team. But I, I am expecting something probably next time, probably maybe not the first season, but next season, because I was um, I was reading a couple of days ago about a new competition coming up in August 2018, which is the America's Rugby Championship B, which is going to be second division uh, ARC pretty much. And that's going to be played by Mexico, Colombia, Paraguay, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, maybe. Viva Mexico! Viva Mexico, definitely, way. <laughs> you know it, way. And um, it's those four teams. Yeah, only those four teams. Yeah, those four are only going to be four. It's not going to be six like the other one. But yeah, that's again Mexico, uh, Colombia, Paraguay, and maybe tri uh, TNT. Still not super sure if that's going to be the case or not. I do hope so because in the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago is the only team that you can say, you know what, they're really good. Personally, I would rather see Jamaica because I, I definitely do like how the the, the crocodiles or the crocs are coming up in recent in recent seasons. Mostly on the seven side fig teams, unfortunately, not so much. I have noticed that their thirteen uh, thirteen team, the rugby league team, is actually getting moving a lot faster in terms of development than the union team, which is not something I'm happy about because I do like my union. <laughs> but but you know, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, but going back to the, the main topic, so I do hope that by this competition coming up next year, uh, new players from those international sides will come in into the MLR. Fantastic. Well, we would uh, absolutely love any talent that we can get a hold of for this league. Hey, Aaron, uh, we've talked about uh, going south. You're going to tell us something about uh, what's going on up north, aren't you? Yeah. So Brian Ray um, broke this story about the uh, – Ontario arrows. And we keep talking about, you know, how many, how many teams do we get off with this? Just do we start the season with, is there expansion? Uh, so the Ontario arrows uh, are a privately funded, I wouldn't say select side, but a privately funded venture separate from the Ontario blues. The Ontario blues is uh, a side of select players funded by 
Rugby Ontario. And so what they have retained is the coaching staff of the Ontario Blues. It will be a semi-professional side and we'll, I think it's going to be a proof of concept for them. You know, we've talked about possibly, you know, a Canadian side or two Canadian sides jumping into, uh, you know, Major League Rugby uh, in 2019 or 2020. And I think this goes into expansion watch because we've talked about uh, San Francisco. We've talked about Rugby New York. And what was the another team, another side that I was talking about? That was not a, a Canadian team. I forget. Um, but uh, there's four. And then, you know, some people have talked, you know, Boston and Sacramento. I really haven't found anything. And I, I would think if uh, Boston, you know, the Mystics or whatnot, a club built around the powerful clubs in, the, in New England, you wouldn't have seen, you know, Marquiera sign with Houston. But um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're going to do, I think it's five road trips to the United States. They're going to play Glendale. They're going to play Old Blue. It's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be really cool. Uh, and then, you know, if it if financially works out, we've got a Canadian team in MLR. And, you know, it really, uh, a cross-border competition in that essence will be really helpful to developing just North American rugby in general and help drive the rivalry that is the Can-Am series for us. Uh, you know, a rising tide raises all boats, as they say. So anything, it's good to have quality competition, both North and South America. And I think there's no doubt about that. It's been, it's been a well-trodden subject. A lot of people have talked about it over the years, but Anything Canada can do to step it up, and we would absolutely love an MLR side up north as well as down south. Any place uh, international, if we want a Mexican team, that would be pretty cool too. So, oh no, yeah. So, uh, Victor, you also posted on Reddit uh, this morning, I think, um, about some rugby league news out of New York, but that may have an impact on MLR. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, guys, um, this morning I was checking what was happening with the Toronto Wolfpack because I like all forms of rugby, whether 15 or 15 or 13, mostly union rather than league. But um, I was checking it this morning and I noticed that um, the Toronto Wolfpack posted an article about a possible New York franchise coming up in 2020. Now, the 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 article that I'm talking about was it was uh, published by the Daily Mail, uh, which is comes out of out of the out of the United Kingdom. And so, just uh, so I'm just going to read you the, like the first the top part really it says, and, and I quote: A New York team is set to join the Rugby Football League by 2020 with the aim of reaching Super League. Now, for those of you that do not know about Rugby League, Super League is the top division in England, and yeah, in, in England and France, because there is a French team called the Catalan Dragons. Uh, you could say it's almost like the Premier Rugby. Only thing is that you have another team from outside of England. So, according to this, they're going to have a gentleman with the name of Mick Potter, who is a former Brackford and St. Helens coach. Both Brackford Bulls and St. Helens are some of the oldest teams in Super League. Brackford Bulls is actually the team where a famous English player came from, an English player that actually played in the 2015 Rugby World Cup, 
who uh, who went from rugby league to rugby union. You may know him better as Sam Burgess. Uh, Sam Burgess, unfortunately, uh, could not really make it in the union world. He uh, he actually when he left. Actually, my favorite team, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, let's go Rabbitohs. Um, he ended up going to Bath Rugby. You may remember Bath Rugby is a place where the famous legend, Dan Lyle, at one point in time, was the, the, the captain of the team. So he went there for a season, well, supposed to be really three seasons. And according to players, they were really hyping up the fact that they were getting Burgess, that it was going to be the savior of the club. And keep in mind, at this time, Bath was going going to a transition of many players retiring uh, out of the professional game and they were getting a couple of kids coming out of their academies uh, excuse me out of their academy just one and again they really have to have Burgess uh, with plans uh, of this and that unfortunately his season didn't went the way they wanted it that didn't stop um, Stewart, whatever his last name is, the guy that used to coach England uh, for getting uh, Burgess into the English uh, team, and as we all know, unfortunately, England lost their own uh, tournament, unfortunately, against Wales, which, by the way, that game, game was great. And that's actually the game where I fell in love with a guy named Dan Biggert. Ah, Dan Bigger. God bless that man. Uh, but in any case, um, they go to have, sorry, going back to the thing I talk about. So they're going to have, again, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mick Potter as the, as, as the, the coach, apparently, of this uh, rugby league side in New York City. Uh, now, this comes out of the out of the success of the Toronto Wolfpack, uh, obviously coming out of Toronto. The CEO in the in, of the of the team, Eric Perez, who is uh, I guess a distant cousin or uncle of mine. I've been told his family is from Venezuela, so we might be distant cousins. Uh, he apparently is really pushing the New York team. And he's going to be like one of the, you know what, if you open one in Toronto, you want to open one in New York. Uh, so that's so far the idea. We'll see what happens in the next three years. But I do hope we get this league team out of New York City. But of course, if this league team opens or, or scheduled to, to, uh, to come out before a union team in New York City from MLR, you got that extra competition, which I'm not sure if it's extremely favorable, but you guys tell me. Well, um, I mean, the, the Rugby Club New York website says coming 2019. So, I don't know. You tell me, man. Of course. I mean, they say, yeah, they, they say, they're, true, they say they're coming in two years, and if mm-hmm. Rugby League says they're coming in three years, well, I, it's yeah. going to be who partially about whoever – Sticks their foot in the uh, the oversaturated New York sports market. That's what I think. <sighs> yeah, I think uh, you know. I think we got to hit uh, questions from Bob. Oh, yeah. yeah, guys, we uh, we're once again we've hit the hour mark and we're just flying past it. So appreciate everybody who's still tuning in and sticking with us. Uh, this is one of my favorite parts. So let's uh, do questions from Bob. We're actually leading off with a question from Bob. So Bob Boberson wants off Reddit wants to know, is there going to be revenue sharing uh, among the MLR teams, a la the NFL? Yes, as far as I know, yes, there will be revenue sharing, broadcast deals and sponsorships will go into a pool, as we currently understand it. So yeah. Well, I mean, if for all of the guys on the board, if you if you're new to the Reddit board and you dig through it, uh, 
you know, as was broken by uh, this is Texas rugby. He stated like the uh, he spoke with the president of Golden Gate and was like, hey, are you joining this? If not, why not? And, you know, it was, uh, it was like, hey, it doesn't you know, they said it doesn't fit our business model. Like and, you know, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't really care about paying to watch amateur rugby. I'll uh, I'll go pay for parking if, you know you have to go park somewhere to watch the playoffs. Cause I did that for division three, uh, AZRU, RGRU playoffs, uh, on the West end of Phoenix. I paid $5 for parking, but you want to charge me like 10, $15 to go watch amateur rugby. Um, it, it makes me wonder, you know, as far as business models are concerned, but golden gate didn't want in. Um, I would think they would be, they were, they would make more money via revenue sharing, uh, than they make now if they wanted to be if they wanted to launch a club i think the real issue is uh either the development of their like their ground on um treasure island or maybe using a new ground in another ground in san francisco and doug kind of like messed that one up so uh there and golden gate wasn't the only club as far as i know I'm not gonna out anybody i just know Golden Gate was the most vocal about it. Uh, I, I can imagine that if Golden Gate was asked and, you know, people asked why there's no New York club and, you know, why there's no Boston club that people were approached and said, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And they said no. So that's, you know, my opinion. I also think there's a possibility uh, we'll have more comers once things are established. And assuming that the league is successful, uh, we can, well, there's always expansion, you know? Doesn't hurt anything. Yeah. All right. So Aggie Rugger 2010, uh, friend of the show and one of uh, the regular contributors to Reddit, uh, one of our mods actually, wanted to know, when do you guys think the official announcement uh, for MLR will come about? When will that be released? God almighty, that's a really good question. And best guess now, seriously, like now, make to late September based on recent interactions we had with with league officials but uh but seriously now but this is entirely speculation obviously on our part um we were hearing august 15 a long time ago and nothing came about so i don't even like i I tell you mid to late september but sometimes i don't even believe that myself but that's my my best guess i guess yeah i mean well something came about and that was the austin elite announcement and uh Seattle Seawolves getting active on their social media, but that was, I mean, we thought it was going to be the big, big boom. And it was, I mean, it was still boom, but it wasn't the big boom. Next up, we got sneaky, the sneaky worm. And he wants to know he or she, uh, do we know anything about the corporate structure of MLR, what that's going to look like? And I guess I just jump in real quick and say he did some digging around on uh, LinkedIn, and he did find a few names. Some of them we've heard before. Um, Dean Howes as commissioner, uh, Nick Benson, friend of the show, as deputy commissioner, uh, Adrian Balfour as director of governors, and um, Edward Pelton as marketing manager. Aaron, what else have you heard? Yeah, so all those four? I mean, I'm tracking 
uh, Dean House, Commissioner, Nick Benson, Deputy Commissioner, Adrian Balfour. He's the uh, managing partner and CEO for uh, Seattle Seawolves. So my best guess is uh, they'll all the managing partners for and CEOs for these organizations will sit on the board of governors, similar to how uh, the NBA has a lot of minority owners, but uh, you have like the managing partner of each uh, organization sits on the NBA board of governors. Um, so something similar to that. Uh, in addition to, you know, a marketing manager at the league office, uh, they also have a, their own marketing firm, which we've talked about rugby United marketing uh, run by Diana Anderson out of infinity park. Uh, you know, they've taken a lot of the best practices from other sports leagues that have been successful in the United States and put them together. Uh, I suspect as this thing gets going, the league office will expand. And rounding us out tonight, uh, Flash Gordon wants to know, when does success become judged by the quality of play rather than just product on the field? And I'm honestly, I'm not really following this question. Um, Aaron, do you have some thoughts on that one? Well, you know, I, I've said from the very beginning uh, that I think if this if this is done the right way, in which so far we're seeing it done the right way mostly, uh, with you know actually getting information out because you know pro like said that like you didn't really know much about pro until you know the players were in camp, which was you know five weeks before the start of the season, whereas you know. The start of the season, for the most part, is thought to be next March or April. So we're still, you know, five months out from that. No, no, six months out from that period. Seven. Jeez, my math sucks today. But like seven months out from that period in time. And we're hearing tons of stuff. So if just information and having a product on the field is considered success, I think with who is on the coaching staff so far we're going to have a better product very early on because the players will be in camp before Christmas. They'll break the non-internationals that are uh, the guys that aren't competing in the ARC and other competitions will still be in camp. They'll be playing preseason matchups during the ARC window. So I think, you know, you're, they're just going to have that chemistry and they're going to be better very fast. So, I, you know, four games is better than pro. That's what I think. Uh, what about you, Victor, man? Well, bro, to echo what you just said, Aaron, uh, let's put it like this. If the league lasts more than a year, then in itself is success for me. But I believe that it will be judged by its quality of play with the players that come through the league and the performances of the U.S. Eagles. So... Hopefully, with this new league, as time progresses, uh, the more players that we get to the national side, and of course, if they're they become a lot more competitive in Excel because of this new league, I think in Excel that's a success as well. So I see it that way personally. Yeah, that's. I mean, as far as that <laughs> that stuff's concerned, I think that's what we got. Um, By the way, now I see your your all black shirt, bro. Uh, well, I'll tell you, that it's all black a. Skin. It's a, uh, it's a, you know, congratulations to the Black Ferns for uh, oh, going out there sorry. and uh, 
winning the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup. If you haven't had a chance to see that, I'm sure it'll be up on YouTube uh, Mm -hmm. in next day or two. No, no, it is right now. It is right now. Really? Nice. So if you haven't had a chance, it's apparently up on YouTube. Go watch that match. It's a great – it was a great yeah. it was a great crescendo to end the women's world rugby world cup on um so that's just you know yeah. salute to the to the women on the black fern side so definitely and let me tell you that u.s eagles game with france i mean even thought the girls lost oh wow, yeah our, really our women our women went out there and they repped the jersey hard so yeah seriously you know seriously they let left you that ba- they left the everything that we have food. They left everything on the field. Now it's just up to the, the union to provide the support for them Seriously. to play at a higher level. Because it's, it's really hard to play at a really high level if you play three and a third tests a year. So mm-hmm. that's yeah, all yeah, for definitely, me. Yeah, definitely. I do agree. But yeah, bro, the back line that we have of um, Thomas, Napper, and, and Emba, let me tell you, those three girls. I, I, I saw that back line. I said, of course you're going to have the black girls, like all three in the back, because like, they're the best. Of course, Tapper, just be Tapper, not Tapper, Tapper. Yeah, of course you gotta have the bad girls in the back. It's like the, the fastest and the strongest, of course. And I don't say that because I'm brown, it's because it's true, okay? So I make that clear. Well, it looks like no one's uh, catching us on errors uh, on the broadcast, so uh, it's all for me. Uh, go Eagles, let the boys play. Definitely, let's go, let's go play. Well, I think that about does it. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Earful of Dirt. We'll be back next week. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.